We're starting a new series today, uh, which I'm excited about. I'm excited to jump in. We went through the series called What's Next. And so if you missed some weeks, you can go back. Uh, we have a podcast. It's uh, Sound Life Ording Valley now. You can find that on Apple or Spotify and catch the message maybe that you've missed. Um, but we're excited because we're moving into the summer. And summertime, a lot of times, is you can kind of, you know, relax, right? Anybody else kind of like relaxing? Right? Anybody else kind of like just chilling? We talked about getting some air conditioning. Becky's like, I'm not relaxing. My kids are home now. Things are crazy. Um, right? But you're trying to relax. You're trying to get those, those moments. You're trying to battle for those moments of relaxation. But as we go through this summer, we're going to be t- going through a series called The Clues of the Kingdom. Clues of the Kingdom. And uh, really unpacking these, these things and these stories called parables. Right, where Jesus has generally gathered up this group of people. They begin to follow him, and he sits down a lot of times. The one we're talking about, he gets out on a boat and begins to speak to them and tell them these stories called parables. And the, real, the reason why he wants to do that is because he, he's giving us clues to the kingdom, how to be successful in, in his kingdom, how to flourish in a broken world. And that's, at Sound Life Church, that's one of our, our biggest, our, our core values, that we want to help people flourish through knowing Jesus Right? And when we do that, when we flourish, the world around us flourishes Right, when we lean into that. And so as we talk to the clues of the kingdom, I, I, I think of Jesus, and he's using these stories to kind of put things in layman's terms sometimes. Right? You guys have heard that before, layman's terms? Right? It's like, make it easy. Right? Make it basic. Uh, I remember in football, when I was in eighth grade, where I, I lived in a, a small town in Wyoming, in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming. And so like, if you joined the football team, you played on you know, JV, varsity, and then if you were, you know, halfway decent, you played on ninth grade. Like, we're, we're just moving kids around as much as you could. So uh, I was on the eighth grade team, and we're playing, and I played center. So I, I was the guy that got to touch the football every, 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 every down, right? Right? That was pretty, pretty a big deal. You know, they think the quarterback's awesome. The quarterback doesn't look awesome if the center doesn't do his job. So I played center, which is the guy that hikes the ball, if you don't know football terms. And uh, I wasn't always the biggest dude, but I was scrappy, right? I was, I was somebody who's going to go out there, and I'm going to lay my body on the line. I'm feeling it now in my 30s, laying my body on the line so many times. I'm feeling it in my knees and my back and my head, and sometimes I got a little twitch. Um, but <laughs> you guys are like, wait, what? I've, I've noticed you doing that. Um, but I played center. And so we had this play, and we had a good running back as an eighth grade team. And, you know, he would run into people, run through people, break tackles, do what he needed to do. But for, in order for the running back to be successful, generally the line had to be successful, right? And so we had to get up to the line. We had to run our plays as the center. You know, if we were playing against the defense, there was two tackles over here. I had to go hit the tackle here with the guard and then move up to the second level of, and hit a linebacker, right? That was my job. So as, as a football team, if you've played football, you know everyone has a job, and if they do the job, the play works. Hopefully things go good. You score touchdowns. Well, for some reason, I don't know if it was me, it probably wasn't, but we could not run this play well, right? It was the easiest, most basic play. Darren hiked the ball. Quarterback, hand the ball to the tailback. Tailback, fullback, go through the, the guard and the tackle, right? It's kind of a basic play, right? Guard, tackle, do your job, do your blocks. Well, we weren't getting it. And so in the middle of a game, we weren't running this play well. Everyone wasn't doing it. And so, you know, every, after every play, you huddle up with your team, and they're sitting there, and the, the, some wide receiver runs in, gives a play. They're like, all right, tailback, you know, they, they, they called up the play. And we're like, okay, we go and do that. Boom, you know, we do the play, and we're like, you know, make one or two yards or nothing, or we, you know, it falls apart. Get back to the huddle. We get there. Another, another guy runs in. The play comes in, the same exact play. We're like, okay. So we run back up to the line, hike the ball, do the play, fail, flounder, whatever it is. You know, it's not really working. Get back to the huddle. Play comes in again. 
Same play, okay. Uh, and so like we're just like doing the same play over and over again. We're all looking at the sidelines like what is going on? Like, you know, we're running the same play. Obviously the defense has figured it out, right? They're stopping it every single time. And we, get, we go, we do the play again on the third down. It fails again. And we're like, what, what's going on? What's going on? And so we run back, we, you know, we punt the ball. And I remember us going to the sideline. Our coach grabs the, the offense and he says, hey, you guys suck at that play. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> He's like, you guys aren't running it right. You aren't doing your jobs, right? And so we're going to go back out there next time we get on the field, and you're going to run that play again. We're like, but we, they know the play. They know it. He's like, eventually, you're going to do your job, and you're going to get it right, right? So next, next series of downs, we get out there, hike the ball, and I'm like, all right, hit, hit, hit the tackle, move to the linebacker. I'm like, who else is not doing their job, okay? Like, seriously, like, you know, everyone's starting to, like, look around as we're playing, like, who's not blocking? It's probably the tight end. You know, Steve, you're taking a nap again, man. You know, so like, you know, we did the play over and over again. We probably went through another couple of downs until finally, if like something happened, something changed, we did the play right and like we sprung it loose, right? And the, and the, the tailback runs through and we're able to get, you know, get all, like almost to the, the goal line, right? And so it wasn't a full touchdown, but we got close and uh, we ran the same play again and got the touchdown, right? And so our coach wanted us to get it, right? He wanted us to get that we need to do our jobs, Right, that we have a, each have a role to play, each have a job to do, and if we're not doing it, if, I, if I'm doing my job, but, but Bob is not doing his job, it's not going to work. Right? It wasn't going to work, and he wanted us to get that. And so the next week during practice, we practiced that play again. But it was such a basic play, but at times we, we, we want the crazy, awesome, you know, zigzag motion plays to, to happen, but we have to know the basics. And that's what parables help us do. That's what, what Jesus says. He gives us these parables that helps us to, you know, look at our lives and reexamine our lives and, and check where we're going so that way we know the basic plays of the kingdom, right? The basic clues of the kingdom, right? Jesus called us to fit our lives into his way of life, right? He called us to live his way, right? If we continue to do it our way as that play, it always failed. But when we did our jobs, we did it the way the play was designed, we began to have success, Right? And he calls this way, Jesus calls this way that he calls us to live the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. In Mark chapter 1, verse 14 through 15, Mark being one of the, the known as the earliest gospel written, right there at the beginning, Jesus says, the gospel says this. It says, later on after John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee where he preached God's good news. Right? Jesus went, he preached God's news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. That was Jesus' message, that the time has come, the kingdom is near. You, you, you know, listen up. He says, repent of your sins and believe the good news. That the kingdom of God is near. It's here. Readjust our lives. Make sure we're in the right place. You see, the majority of Jesus' teaching and preaching was about this topic. It was about the kingdom of God. It was about trusting him. It was about becoming more like him. It was about learning his way so you could function in this world and this life that sometimes gets chaotic, crazy, out of control, kids at home, you know, like all those things play into it. It's like it gets a little, it gets a little nuts sometimes. But when we pattern ourselves like as, as Jesus shows us and tells us through these parables, you follow these clues, we live in the, as citizens of a new kingdom. You've heard that for, from us at different points. Jesus says this in Matthew 6, He says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Right, above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Right, and so there's a priority list here that Jesus is kind of displaying for us. If we seek the kingdom of God as number one, the most important thing, right, then we begin to see and begin to get what we need. Right, we need to seek the kingdom of God above all else. So what does that mean for us 
living our lives the kingdom way. You see, the kingdom of God, it's important for us to remember, and this is a thought for us today, is that the kingdom of God is a culture more than a place. Right? The kingdom of God is more than a culture than a place. Right? It's a more of how we live. The kingdom of God can happen in our midst. The kingdom of God happens when we interact. The kingdom of God happens as we, join, as we move together and pursue Jesus together. It began the moment Jesus the king came into the broken world and began showing us how he was making it right again. Right? That is how we become part of the kingdom culture, not just being a place. And as I mentioned, one of the ways he illustrates these things is a new way, uh, this new way of living is through symbolic stories called parables, right? A lot of times they are brief. You know, in Matthew chapter 13, where we're going to be spending our time, there's like six to eight parables kind of woven in here, and we're going to be talking about a few of them over the next coming couple of weeks. I'm excited. Next week, Pastor Susie's preaching at Fredericks and Danielle's preaching here, so excited to, to hear them preach on parables as well. But these parables, they help teach a moral, spiritual lesson, usually a choice, and it usually led them to a place where they had to make a choice at the end. Right? We have to respond. We have to hear what Jesus has to say, and then we're left with the pieces, with what, what has been said, and then we have to say, all right, what am I going to do with this? Right? What am I going to do? Right? When the coach kept calling the same play, we could have, you know, what we could have done is just stop playing. Like, we would have then gotten more trouble. That would have been more laps on, on the next practice day. Right? But no, we chose to continue to, to get better and do what we needed to do. You see, when Jesus told a parable, he was trying to reveal a truth to everyone that was spiritually open to the truth. Right? And sometimes these stories, and we'll see even the disciples today as they process this parable, they're like, Jesus, we don't quite understand. Help us understand. Right? Help us understand. And at the same time, these parables, if not taken with the right mindset, with the right mentality, with Jesus as number one, right? seeking first the kingdom first, they just sound like silly stories about farms and seeds and ground and soil. Right? They don't make sense. But when we make Jesus, that's the most important thing. We can, we can see his truth come through. You see, several times as I read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, specifically, we see Jesus giving us these clues to the kingdom through these stories because he wanted us to get it, right? Jesus wanted us to get it. He wanted us to understand, right, what he was trying to say, right? You know, sometimes like, you know, when you have kids, you look at them and you're like, and you just tell them what their expectations were, what they need to do, and you're like, do you understand, right? Tell it back to me. Are we on the same page? And they walk away and they forget. You're like, come on, man. You know, like all the time, like we're we're trying to to balance and battle those things. He wanted us to get it. He wanted us to understand the way the kingdom worked because he knew that if we did and we live that way, we would find life and life to the full, as Jesus says, right? We would find hope that in the hopeless, broken world, we would find peace in turmoil if we lived by these clues that the kingdom has for us. And today as we work through the parable of the farmer scattering the seed in the soil, maybe you've heard it before, and uh, it's one of the stories that is told in three of the Gospels. It's a powerful story, so Jesus most likely told it multiple times as he preached to different crowds. But today as we open God's word, I invite you to join me in a word of prayer as we spend some time dissecting his word. Lord, we just thank you for today. God, we thank you for your word that's alive and powerful. God, we thank you for popsicles and ice cream to come as the auditorium begins to warm up after service today. Lord, I pray that your word, which is powerful, would speak to our hearts, God, that we'd walk out of here changed, not the same person that walked in today. God, may we hear your voice. In your name we pray. Amen. 
Amen. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and join me at Matthew chapter 13. Uh, I encourage you, be, be cracking open your Bible. Be spending time in your word. You know, if you want to bring it on Sunday, bring it. Get out your Bible apps, do that. But it's important for us to continue to interact with it, right? Interact with God's word. Allow it to speak to us. And so uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 1 through 9, I'm going to read you the story that Jesus lays out. And then we're going to spend some time dissecting it. But Matthew 13, he says, Later... That same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got in a boat. So he's hanging around the lake, which Jesus knows how to do, how to do it in the summer, right? Anybody else want to go hang around the lake with Jesus? Sounds good to me right now. Uh, it says, a large crowd soon gathered around him. He got into a boat. Amen. Gets getting some boats. Um, it says, then he sat there and taught the, as, as the people stood on the shores, right? And so we see this image here. Jesus, crowd is coming. He gets on a boat and not, not a motorboat. He, you know, maybe it was rowed out or whatever. But he gets out because the audio, his voice was able to carry across the water so more could hear. So he gets out on the water and he told them many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Right? Matthew recounts it. He says, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he gathered, scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on the footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock, like it is here in Fredrickson and Graham and Ording, rocks. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much that has been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So Jesus, he tells this story, and what ends up happening in the, in the verses right after this is the disciples ask, what are you talking about? Right? They basically say, what do you, what do you mean by this? What, what is going on? You see, the disciples came and asked him, you know, why do you tell t- parables? Why are you sharing these stories? Right? And, and we see that recounted same in Mark and Luke and when Mark, he remembers this in Mark 4.10, he says, later when Jesus was alone, the 12 disciples gathered with him and asked him what the parables meant. So they were like, they'd hear the story. Jesus would tell the story like, that's good. Have you ever heard a story? And you're like, that's a good story. And you're like, wait, what does it mean? Right? <laughs> you're like, what, what is he saying? You know, when some people start getting excited about something. But he, he wanted them to understand, and the disciples were still confused. And I don't know about you, but this gives me a lot of hope sometimes when I don't understand things. Right? When, 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 when parables are happening in my own life or whatever journey, right? When I'm struggling to understand, we can go to Jesus and say, God, I need some help. Right? Jesus, help me understand what's going on. Right? Help me understand. You see, they, like Jesus, were asking, what does this mean? Help us understand. Right? And Mark's remembering this conversation. He describes Jesus as saying this. He says, if you can't understand the meaning of these parables, of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? Right? If, you, if you're not going to dig deep, if you're not going to really go to the, the, the seek first the kingdom and look, look at it through that lens, how are you going to understand the other teachings that I have for you? He says, basically, guys, this is important. You need to get this. Right? So this parable is important for our lives. This parable is important for our journeys. And Jesus, uh, later on in Matthew 13, he explains the parable for us, which I'm thankful. You know, sometimes you're like, you, know, you hear that lofty idea, and it's like, hey, can we go back and talk about that and, and help me understand? And Jesus does that for his disciples. And I want to read his explanation. I'm going to go through and break that down. He says, now listen to this explanation of the parable about the farmer planting the seeds. He said, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. 
Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. He says, the seed that fell on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. He says, the seed that fell amongst the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so, the, so no fruit is produced. He said, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest 30, 60, and even 100 times as much has been planted. Right? So I want to break down these four soils here. I want to break down the, 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 what we have in front of us because what we see here is we have, starting from the beginning, we have the seed, right? The farmer's scattering the seed. And here's what's important for us to remember as we look at the seed, as we look at this good news, uh, what the seed is. You see, the seed that Jesus is trying to show us here is that it is the message of the kingdom of God. Right? That is the seed. That is a seed, right? That is the gospel, if you've heard that word, the gospel, the good news of Jesus coming into the world. That is the seed, right? It says the farmer scatters a seed. And a lot of times we end up looking at this and we think of like, oh, well, this is for people who don't know Jesus yet, right? You know, what, what kind of, what state was your heart when you came to Jesus? Were you the rocky soil? Were you the footpath? Maybe you, were, you had some kind of pokey parts of you. Maybe you were a thorny kind of person, right? Like, don't call anybody that. But really what Jesus is saying here is it's not just about because when you first come to Jesus, we have to consistently and constantly examine the state of the soil of our heart, right? Because the seed is always good. The farmer's always scattering the seed. He's always you know, laying it out there, but we have to look at our own heart and realize what's going on in here, because sometimes we end up with the footpath, rocky, thorny soil all at the same time in our lives, don't we? Right? We do. Like you guys, like, don't look at your neighbor, don't look at your spouse and say, okay, um, Right? But the, here's the thing, is that the seed is always good, as I talked about. The gospel is always powerful. The gospel can always transform. The gospel always has the power to multiply. That's the beauty of the, of the seed, of the good news. But the soil to which the seed is planted, to which the seed is received, the condition of our heart determines the receptivity of the message of the kingdom of God. Right? That's what, that's what determines it. The seed's good. The seed's going to do what it needs to do, but it's whether, it's whether or not it lands in the good soil or not. And so as we talk today, we talk about the soil, we see the first soil, which is the footpath, right? And I'm going to tell some stories, some farming stories, some, some Wyoming stories today. You guys are going to get to hear a little bit of those. Uh, but just to help us get some imagery here, but the footpath that we see here, Jesus said the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear about the message and don't understand it. And then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. And so we see this footpath. And I don't know about you if you've seen or you've been on a hiking trail before or you see it in the middle of a pasture sometimes, this trail that is woven kind of through the hills, right, where the cows have decided to walk on the same spot for, you know, years and days and weeks and months and all that stuff. And soon a path is trudged into the ground. Same with a lot of our awesome trails. There's, a, there's an app called the All Trails app, and you can go in there and you can find these trails that go to waterfalls and things like that. And you find these places where people have gone to the same place over and over again enough that a trail has been beaten into the path. But the thing here that we see about the footpath that Jesus is trying to see is this footpath represents the kingdom and the people don't understand it. And the seed is planted on these footpaths. And as I think about that in our own soil, of our own soul, in our own minds, is we have this ability as humanity to create paths of least resistance in our thinking, don't we? 
right? It's a, it's, a neuro, it's a neurological thing. God gave us the gift, right? We learn how to do something, it, it makes us happy, we're going to do that thing, right? right? Boil it down, like, we're like hey, I, I, I'm feeling sad, eat some sugar and some ice cream, let's go, right? right? We, we build these paths. The same thing goes as you look at addiction, right? We build these paths in our brains, right, and in our lives to satisfy that need, to satisfy that hunger, right? We're wired that way. And the footpath in our lives, the footpath that the seed falls on, it says that then an evil one comes and snatches a seed that was planted in their hearts. Right? And so as we look at this, and I want you to, to not look at just like, hey, well, which, which individual soil I'm at today? But where, how is each one of these soils represented in my life? Because we're all human. Right? We all have these paths. And I, as I thought about that, I thought about what do we need to do to take, you know, to dig up those footpaths? Right, and I have this thing called the toothrake. You know, this thing is pretty, pretty vicious here. It looks kind of gnarly. It's got some spiderwebs on it. it. hasn't been used for a little while, um, right? But what the way you do, you do with, with, with hard ground, with heavy ground, is you begin to move it, right? You have to break it up, right? You have to take some time, and, you know, these claws are going to get in there, and at the beginning of the process, like, it's going to, like, rake across the top. But you've got to dig it in, right? You can use different tools to do that, but you have to rake the path, right, to stir up that ground, right, to stir things up. Because guess what? As we know in life, as we move down the same path, and the same thing goes for our spiritual journeys, right? If we don't allow the, if we allow these paths to continue that are destructive, right, they end up being ingrained in us and destroying us, right? They end up being paths and places where the message doesn't get through, and the, it says the evil one comes and snatches it away. I see these things as ruts, right? that we get into, ruts in our own minds, paths in our own minds, right? This place where the ground has been beaten, right? Where it's been exposed, even through the forest, even through flourishing, the path that has been beaten down, it, it looks, it's dead because it's been moved and walked on. Where in your heart maybe has that path been beaten down? Where in that heart, in your heart, do you need to take that rake and begin to stir up that soil and stir up that ground that's hard? Maybe there's a hard part in your heart, right, where that seed of, of the gospel, the good news, you're like, it's not going to get in there. It's not going to get in that addiction, right? It's not going to get in that pathway that I've been doing for 20 years, that frame of mind and thinking that I have. Got to get the rake. We got to get the, get the ground stirred up in our own hearts, because the gospel is good, right? And it might just be taking a day, it might be taking a month, it might be taking a year just working the soil, working that ground, beating the ground, because that ground has been beaten for years. But when we surrender that to God, when we surrender that to Jesus, his seed, the gospel, the good news, can be planted. That's the footpath, right? It says the evil one is gonna come. He's trying to steal, to kill, destroy. The second seed, the second soil we see here is the rocky soil. Right, it says this, it says the seed that on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. Right, they have this soil, they have this ground, and it's superficially propped up, right? This, these rocks that are kind of buried in the ground. And if you've dug around this area, you know, you start to dig, clank, right? And then you dig a little more and you have to dig around the rock and all of a sudden you're pulling this boulder out of the ground. You're like, where did this even come from, right? But it says there's soil on top of it, but below is rocks. Below the surface, it's superficial. They receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, because they have boulders in the way, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. 
Right? There's these boulders in the ground. They can't get root because of the boulders in their lives. It's shallow. It's disjointed. Right? There's not enough place for, for things to flourish. Right? And the same thing happens in our own lives. I don't know about you. At times, I feel like I'm carrying boulders in my life journey. Right? Burdens, things from my past, things from that, that I know that I've laid at the cross. And sometimes at church we do this, especially as believers in Jesus. We come to church, we, we give our hearts to the Lord, just, just hear this seed. It's planted. We say, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, you are faithful and just to forgive all unrighteousness. And we lay it down. And guess what? As we walk out the door, we're like, all right, there's that stone, there's that boulder, and we're walking back out with them. Right? We do that. Right? That's what we end up doing. And as I thought about this, I thought of, if you've driven through most of eastern Washington, you see at times in the fields of, of, of uh, wheat and corn, you see these mounds and piles of stones, right? Out in the middle of nowhere. You're like, why are there piles of rocks in the middle of a field? Well, here's the beauty of what those rocks represent, right? Those rocks represent a land that has been cultivated by a farmer for years, those rocks represent the years that the farmer has spent pulling those stones out of the ground and mounding them up, right? And they end up in the middle of the random spot. But guess what? Those stones represent what was on the land before, and now there's flourishing. Now there's nourishment. Now there's opportunity for growth and multiplication. And so we see these rocks set up and these own rocks in our, in our lives. And as I look at this in my own journey, at times as I've gone to summer camps and seen students go to summer camps and they come back and they're like, yes, Jesus is the best thing in the world. And the seed is implanted on the shallow with, with rocks still there. They didn't really take care of the underlying stones. And we see that it's snuffed out when the weights of the world and the reality of the world comes back in. So what do we need to do with the rocks in our lives? I have this you know, handy-dandy, trusty spade shovel, right? Worked one of these before. Many of us have probably held one. But what it takes here is you got to dig in, right? You have to get under the problem, right? You have to take the time and maneuver and get the rocks out of there so you can get a good ground for the seed to be planted, this is going to take some work, right? If you've ever tried to dig out stone, like boulders and stones and rocks, you're like digging around it. It's discouraging. I've gone through and I've like been mad at the rock, so I took the shovel and I'm like trying to beat the rock to break it, right? If you've ever done that before, you guys are like, you're weird. Yeah, I've done that, okay, all right? You know, they have like the, 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 the tamping bar that's like a metal bar with like a point at the end. I'm like, some rocks, I just beat the rock so the way it can break so I can pull it out of the ground. Because you don't realize how big they are and how many things in our own lives do we not realize how big they are under the surface? Right? The gospel is good. The gospel is power. The good news of Jesus has the ability to transform our lives. But at times we leave the boulders in our souls, don't we? Right? We leave those things that, have, that we've been carrying around for so long. and We, we sometimes pride ourselves in, in what we carry. We're like, look at me, look what I've, look what I've carried, look what, I've, look what I'm carrying right now. I've made it through all these things, I've done all this, and we just look encumbered in these burdens of, of, what, God, of what, what God is wanting us to lay down at his throne. Like the, sto- the, st- the stack of stones in the middle of a field, we were to, to look back at those boulders. Don't forget those boulders, but we look back and we realize, man, God, you've cultivated the ground. You've stirred the soil of my soul. I've ripped these boulders out of the ground. I've laid them at your feet, and I've given them over to you, and now I'm moving forward. And we can grab someone and say, hey, come look at, look at the, rock, the rocks that Jesus has brought me through. Look what the good news, the gospel, the grace, the goodness of Jesus has brought me through. Look at that. 
right? Jesus in, in, in the Old Testament, God in the Old Testament was always bringing Israel to a point where he says, hey, build an altar, set some stones up, tell your kids what I did. Remind them that we had some hard ground to till here, right? And that's the story of Jesus we get to live in our lives. Remind the people around us, remind our kids that we have, have done the hard work and stirred up the soil and dug the boulders out and we set them up as a monument to remember and remind us of what Jesus has brought us through. That's the rocky soil. We can't let the seed fall there. We have to stir our soil. We have to do the hard work. We have to do some excavation at times. And sometimes it takes like the, you know, the excavator to come in and dig the hole. But we have to submit ourselves to that. The third soil we see is the soil that where the seed falls in amongst thorns. Right? And you see, Jesus says it this way. He says, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly it is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. Right? So the seed, it essentially falls amongst life. Right? <laughs> Quote, unquote. The seed falls amongst thorns, something else that is living. But guess what? The thing that is living is detrimental and destructive to the seed that was planted, wasn't it? Right? Here in western Washington, we have these things called the blackberry bushes, right? They're everywhere, right? All over the place. You drive down the freeways, they're growing. They're invasive. They are out of control. At my church that I worked at in Tahomish as a youth pastor for four years, I remember my, youth, my lead pastor lead t- taking me out in the field at the start of summer one time. And our property was surrounded by this city property that was like, it was called a park, but it really wasn't a park. It was just a piece of land that they let just grow. It's kind of like a wetland kind of thing. But it was just all blackberries. And it would come up to our fence, grow over the church's fence and into our property. And like, it was just starting to consume. And so he's like, all right, we got we to attack the blackberries. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Right? And so he would give me some, some, so some you know, cutters here. And he's like, all right. He's like, we got to go out there, and we would go through and, you know, cut back these blackberry bushes, stack them up and burn them, and we'd have to cut them out because if left unchecked, these blackberries would come into the property and kill the grass and kill the things on the, around it. They would snuff out the life around it, right? And that's what Jesus is saying here, the worries of life and the lure of wealth, right? We see this as a cluttered life, right? Worrying, misplaced priorities, selfish desires, that Jesus is talking about here. Sometimes good things. Blackberries are delicious. I love them. Like, I literally love blackberries. But they destroy everything. And if you ever have seen a cluster of blackberries, like, and you can get into the middle. And as a kid, we had, a, near one of our neighborhoods, we would take clippers, and we dug and clipped out like this hobbit hole in the midst of this blackberry bush and dug, you know, dug in and then clipped out the inside of this blackberry bush, and everything under the blackberry bush was dead. It was just dirt. Nothing could survive under the weight and the suffocation of the blackberry bush. We turned it into a sweet base. No one was, no was going to attack our base, right? But what in our lives is snuffing out the good news of Jesus? Right? What good things, quote unquote, are keeping us from allowing the, the story, the hope of Jesus to transform our hearts, to change our priorities? Right? There's the, he says these thorns, right? We see these where this wheat grows and, and things grow, but when the, when the thorns come, it takes away the energy. It destroys the soil. It pulls all the nutrients out. And what we thought was good 
Because the only thing that is good is the seed. Oh, well, might as well put it here with this. No, this consumes that and destroys it. So we have to get aggressive and we have to, right, this is literal cutting of those things. Some of the language that the New Testament uses, Paul uses, he says, you need to put to death whatever belongs to our earthly nature. Right? It has some removing. Most likely painful sometimes. Cutting in our own lives. Removing those things so the gospel can flourish in my heart. And finally, Jesus gives us the description of the good soil. We're like, man, I got boulders. I got a footpath. I'm chopping things with the, with the, with the clippers here. It's, just, it's a lot of work. And if you ask any farmer, cultivating multiplication and flourishing on their farm is a lot of work. Right? Having come through a family of farmers, I spent many of my summers growing up on my family's farms in Wyoming. And it was like, hey, Darren, you're here. You're going to feed the cows this morning. Hey, Darren, you get to go do this. We're throwing hay today. I'm like, what does that mean? Guy put, drives a truck. Everyone grabs hay and throws hay for the whole day. I'm like, that was, sounded fun at the beginning, but not at the end. It's hard work. And a life that truly is devoted to Jesus is hard work, but it's the worth it work. It's hard work, but it's not hard work. It's one of those weird things in the kingdom. It's one of those paradigms that we don't quite understand at times. Conundrum, you could say. It's like it's hard work, but it's the most worth it work we can do. You see, the land left to its own devices will find itself full of thorns, beaten paths, and rocky. The land cultivated, we see the good soil here. It says the seed that fell on the good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 times as much has been planted. We see the good soil here is this place, right? And if you know, if you have ever tried to buy good topsoil, it's topsoil, it's places that has, has a lot of junk in it. And I would say a lot of poop in it. Right? Good topsoil. It's, it's gone through, right? It's, 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 it's processed the, the materials that have gone on it. They've, it's, it has, you know, things that have rotten, but ultimately through that rot, there is life that comes. Right? And the good soil for our hearts is that we, too, can begin that, take those pieces, those places that, that were the bad parts of our lives, and that's where the good soil is. Right? That's where the good soil is at. The seed is good in the midst of our brokenness. Right? The seed is good in the midst of our, our, our hardships. You see, Jesus in this story shows us the clues not for entry into the kingdom, but for living in the kingdom of God. What it looks like to be living in there. You see, the seed is constantly getting scattered. And as I'm preaching today, I'm scattering some seed. That's what I'm doing as God's, God's messenger. I'm, I'm sending some seeds out. But the thing that we have to do, and, and even as I worked through this this week, is I was like, okay, God, I know if I'm going to have to speak it on Sunday, like I got to submit myself to the rake, to the shovel, to the snips. You know, I got I to gotta do that. Right? We all have a soil in a, in a state of our heart and our soul. You see, our job is to consider how the seed is doing when it lands in our soul. Right? That is our responsibility. How are we responding to the word of God? So we see here that Jesus shows us how, we have the question, how does this illustrate how we should live according to the kingdom ways? Jesus' kingdom ways. The first thing is, is we need to determine this condition of the soil of our hearts. 
right? We have to do that just as we talked about with communion this morning. We got to realign our hearts. We got to, we got to dig deep. We got to pull some things out. Maybe it's bringing the boulder back up and laying it down and saying, God, I've been carrying this again. I'm sorry, right? We could go to God and say, I've been picking this up again. I, I, I laid this at your throne. I need your good soil. I need you, right? Has our soil of our heart become hard? Is the message, you know, constantly being snatched away and taken? Does it no longer have any effect? Or is there just a lot of hearing and not a lot of doing? Determine the condition of our, the soul of our hearts. The second is we need to cultivate the soil of our hearts. We need to do the work. We need to do the hard work in our lives to put Jesus first. And the third thing is we need to live like the enemies of God's word are real because they are. Right? The thorns of this life, they're going to try to snuff it out. The enemy is going to try to come and grab that seed and take it. The sun, which is good for plants without roots, destroys it. There's an enemy out there trying to steal, kill, and destroy. See, Satan himself wants to steal and snatch away the message of the kingdom of God in our hearts. So what we need to do is we, can't, we have to you know, not lean into lack of growth and lack of discipline, but we have to overcome it and overwhelm the, you know, the initial joy of those things with the message of the kingdom, right? We have to fight the worries of the world, the lures of wealth and comfort and pleasure, right? That, that at times want to crowd out and, and choke out the message. We have to fight against those things. You see, the way to enter the kingdom always starts with relationship with Jesus, to cultivate the good soil, and I left this up here for this Sunday, to cultivate the good soil, it requires Jesus. And we plant the cross of Jesus in our life. And it's at the foot of Jesus, the cross of Jesus, we lay those boulders. It's at the cross of Jesus that we, we, try, we get those footpaths of our addictions and thoughts to the place where it leads to the cross. And we say, Jesus, unless you intersect, unless you deal, unless you help me, unless you walk with me, unless you transform me by renewing my mind, by changing the way I think, I'm not gonna be able to make it through this. Right, we cut away the ground so we can put the cross of Jesus in the soil of our lives. Because it's the cross of Jesus where the good soil happens. So the question is, is that relationship a priority in our lives? Is the kingdom of Jesus the priority of our lives? I'd like to invite the worship team to go ahead and come on up. Because Jesus said this, and we're going to end where we started, and I'm going to have a point where we can respond to the message today, the seed that has been planted and scattered here this morning. But Jesus says this in Mark 1, 14 through 15 again. He says, after John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee where he preached the good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. I'm just going to invite everyone in here just to bow their heads and close their eyes. And just as a way of responding this morning, maybe today as you've heard, you know, the state of soils in your own heart, in your own journey, maybe you realize, man, I got, some, I got some of those footpaths. I got some of those rocks and boulders. I got to get the snips and Jesus gives us the opportunity. He gives us the, the easiest and hardest instructions to achieve this. Repent and believe. Repent. 
And repentance is just turning away, turning the 180 away from the path, the direction you're going, and going the other direction, going back towards God. Because Jesus is always beckoning humanity. God has always been about drawing humanity back to himself. And so today with our eyes closed, no one's looking around, we're looking at our, our minds mirror, and we're just reflecting, you know, thinking. At times I don't like being left with my own voice and my own thoughts. But today, and you want to say that I need Jesus. Maybe for the first time, maybe for the hundredth time, maybe for the thousandth time. But you want to say, I need Jesus in my life. I need Jesus to come set straight my path, to stir up the soil on the footpath of my heart. I need Jesus to come and take those boulders, maybe again, that I've been carrying. Or I need Jesus to come and help me to snip away the thorns that try to snuff out the good news in my life. And if that's you today, you just want to raise your hand just so I can pray with you and know who I'm praying with today. If you want to raise your hand and say, that's me, yes. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus, we need to repent and believe. Repent and turn our hearts over to him. Right? Maybe today it's you want to be and say, I, I got, I've admit that I have resistance to God. Or that I've been resisting, that I've allowed these things. Maybe I have, like I said, some, some rocks to clear. So let's clear those rocks that, 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 so we can get to Jesus. Maybe we have some weeds that need to be pulled. And as I pray, may you say this prayer in your heart. Turn over those things. Confess. Believe. Repent. Turn your hearts back to him. So Jesus, this morning, God, as we've responded to your good news, as we've heard your your story, if we've heard your gospel, God, we know that when the seed is scattered, it is good. God, we know that when your gospel is preached, it has power to transform hearts, lives, minds. And today, Lord, for my friends and family in this room, God, we know, Lord, that our soil and our life, God, is what we're responsible for. God, we're responsible to cultivate, Lord, a heart of repentance, to cultivate a heart that receives your gospel, receives your good news in a way, Lord, that allows us to be transformed. And so God, today, Lord, for whatever place we're at, whatever soil situation we're dealing in our hearts and in our souls, God, whether it's the footpath, God, that's shallow, that has nothing that the seed falls on and it just feels like it just keeps getting snatched away, God, may we get get to the hard work of stirring up that ground. God, if it's the boulders that are are just below the surface in our spiritual journeys, God, may we unearth those boulders again and lay them at your cross, lay them at your feet, pile those stones up of remembrance. God, if it's the thorns of life, the worries of this world, the busyness, Lord, the things that try to say that it's the most important thing when it's not, God, give us the clarity, the wisdom, and the tenacity, Jesus, to put those to death in our lives so we can cultivate the good soil. So we can cultivate the soil where the seed can flourish and multiply and reproduce. Because that's what your kingdom is all about. It's all about flourishing and flourishing things grow. Flourishing things reproduce.